ladies and cunts. You know you're not meant to say that. That's very crass. What's wrong with the word cunts? Today is the Inner Winner Show. Whoa, 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 with me and Imogen. Hi. <laughs> Hi. We are going for a walk, so you're going to hear the gravel beneath our feet. Mm-hmm, so nice. romantic, it's romantic as fuck. So we are out here walking, doing romantic shit together, <laughs> having sex. Not out here. Well, you don't want to have sex with me. I do want to have sex with you. Just, I'm saying. You- here on a public walking path is probably not the best idea. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. This woman who has pledged her life to me does not want to have sexual intercourse with me. So today we will be talking about how we met. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a story. It's a great story. So we met on dum dum Tinder. Now, if any of you don't know, Tinder is a dating app started in 1999. By two Mexican immigrants. Now, can you stop interrupting, please? So these Mexican... Shut up. These birds. Shut up. These two Mexican immigrants named Hablo and Spaghetti. That's Mexican. Taco. Spaghetti, Taco, and Hablo Escobar. And now these Mexican immigrants, hardworking Mexican immigrants, decided to set up this dating platform called Tinder as an alternative to another dating platform at the time called Grinder. Now, Grinder was mostly for what we in the business call gay men who like to have a little bum. And Tinder was set up as an alternative to that. It was very successful at first. It ended up making $14.9 billion in its first quarter. And the rest is kind of history. So you and I met on Tinder. Correct. We met on Tinder. That entire story, I don't... So the entire story was true. So we met on Tinder and I sent you a BDSM message. I was like, yo, slut, do you want to try some BDSMs? I mean, the message wasn't exactly that, but yes, you use the copy paste message that you use on everyone. On everyone. I don't use that on everyone. That's like, I use that on most people, not everyone. Okay. So yeah, I asked her if she's into BDSM. Do you like BDSM? Do you want to try BDSM? You said like, no, I've never tried it, but like, let's fucking make it happen, young man. Let's do this shit together. You were 18 at the time, correct or not correct? Correct. I was 30 something at the time, correct? You were 30 at the time and a week after you turned 31. Yep. You were my birthday present. Now we texted for a little bit more than I normally do because you were like, super nervous and you needed reassurance you're like a scared little bitch you were like oh my god i'm so scared like don't kill me and i was like i'm not gonna kill you and you were like okay you were the second person that i ever met off tinder i feel so honored (laughs) and so i gave you a bit of reassurance i was like i'm not gonna kill you i promise like bdsm is all about fun and not about like axe murderers and stuff like that Mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure i made a good joke i have the best joke when someone's like because girls ask me all the time right because they look like a fucking serial killer probably and they say like, are you gonna, you're not going to murder me. And my joke is always, do you remember my joke? I actually don't. But I, I remember asking you to pinky promise not to murder me. And I was like, uh, pff, silly. I gave up murdering years ago. Mm. That's my fucking joke. So we were going to meet up outside of McDonald's, which is romantic as fuck. Okay, in hindsight, I was thinking about this because I was walking down the street that is parallel to the street that it's on. And I think you told me the wrong street because one's called La Trobe and the other's called Lonsdale. There is, (laughs) 
And I think I've deleted all the text history, but there's the chance that you told me the wrong cross street and that's why I couldn't find it. So what she's just done there is what's known as shots fired. So she's <laughs> taken a shot at me before I have a chance to take a shot at her. So now I'm on the back foot because what I was going to say is she got lost. And so before I've even said that, she's blaming me. I hope you guys all and you girls are all listening to what's just happened here. So she got lost, but apparently that's my fault. I think you told me the wrong, cr- in, in hindsight, I think you told me the wrong cross street. But yes, I wasn't able to find it, even though I went to university. Like, in, like when I say in the air, I mean like 100 metres away. <laughs> yeah. So again, admission of fault there. That's great. So we had to like reconvene somewhere that you could actually find. And we ended up meeting in a very special location that I get everyone to meet at. So so why was the initial like, because I actually don't know, why was the initial location not the standard place where we've met all girls together and from what I'm aware has always been the standard place that you've gone? As in, why did we meet somewhere else this time? Because I was lazy and this place was closer. It was closer. It is. It's close. It's like a two-minute walk from your apartment. Yeah, I didn't want to walk three minutes to the usual spot, so I only walked two minutes to this McDonald's. So as soon as we met, you were like super fucking nervous. Like you grabbed onto me with all the might in the world. I think all the might in the world. I, okay, I did cling on to you anxiously. You grabbed onto my arm, like, violently. It was like an abuse of power. You just grabbed onto me, and you were, like, so nervous. You were, like, going to cry or some shit, and you were like, oh, my God, I'm so nervous. I wasn't going to cry, and you extended your arm for me to grab. That's why I grabbed it. See, okay, so she's, like, literally once again muddying the waters and just telling a different story to what actually happened. I hope you guys are all seeing what's going on here. So she grabbed onto me, and she was super nervous, and she was, like, crying. I wasn't crying. Okay, she wasn't crying. I exaggerated. But you were, like, super fucking nervous. Like, oh, my, you literally said, like, oh, my God, I'm so nervous. Yeah, I would have said that for sure. So I had to reassure you for the whole, like, two-minute walk back to my place. Well, it was, like, three minutes now because you missed the initial meeting spot. And we, we walked back the whole time me reassuring you and saying, like, everything's okay. Like, you know, we'll, we'll just go back to my place and hang out for a bit and chill out. And we get there. We walk in. Before I've taken my shoes off, what do you do? What do I do? Oh, I probably, like, take my top off or my jacket. You just got naked. <laughs> you just got naked right away. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> And you were like some combination of nervous and also so nervous that you were too hot, even though it was like winter. No, was it winter? Yeah, it was winter because it was like the middle of the year. It was, it was getting cooler for the end of the year. It wasn't like super cold yet. but It was in the middle of winter and you like take your shirt off and you're all like sweaty because you're so nervous and you're like shaking and you sit down and then I like come over to you and like try and re- I'm like, yo, everything's like cool. Just like chill for a bit. We'll just hang out and chat for a bit. And you were just so fucking nervous that you were basically like, can we just jump to the sex? Because, like, I can't handle this. Like, I'm too nervous. Like, I think you're going to kill me or something. Like, what is this? Because if you skip past all of the, like, the awkward intro, like, the actual sex bit's not the scary part. But the awkward bit was, like, the bit I enjoyed the most. That's why I kept, like, I was, like, going to draw it out and just be like, no, this is cool. We just, like, hang here and chill while you're, like, half naked on my couch. Like, literally naked. Well, you still had your pants on. You took your shirt off. And then you were like, you're being so nice to me. I should do something for you. It's not fair. And I was like, what do you mean I'm being nice to you? You don't owe me for being nice to you. And you were like, you were trying to like 
logically give me like some payment back. So you were like, should I give you a blowjob or something? Like, what should I do? I need to do something. Like, you're being too nice to me. Let me like do something. This is this, by the way, is like screaming low self-esteem. I hope you know that. Well, I think it was in my Tinder bio that I think it even said low self-esteem. Yeah, your self-esteem was fucking rock bottom when I met you. Yeah. It's probably like fucking some form of predatory behavior from me, but you had like the lowest self-esteem of anyone I've met, which is like the opposite now, because now you're like a little feisty, bratty. <laughs> I am not. You're always like talking back and shit now. Huh? I mean, to be fair, I wanted that. So like that's that's my fault for raising your self-esteem and building you into a better person. And then like <laughs> it's my fault if you then talk back. Women should never talk back. Do you agree or disagree? I mean, I disagree. That is such a long silence. Okay, that means you agree. You also offered to clean my apartment? I didn't offer to clean your apartment, I think. So you did offer to clean my apartment? I think in the conversation of, like, can I do something for you, you You then... said, do you want me to clean your apartment? No, I think you suggested it. And I was like, I could, but your apartment was awfully clean. Okay, so you agreed. So it's your fault. And... At some point we had sex, which is like not even the most interesting part of the story. Even though the sex was like, how would you rate the sex out of one? One? 0.1. You rate it one. You rate the sex one. You said out of one. So you rate the sex one. Okay, everyone, she rated the sex with me one. (laughs) To actually go into a little bit more detail about the sex, it was, I mean, I had a very good time. It was a bit, it was very full on for the first time to meet somebody. Can I, I believe the listeners would like to know what full on means? Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think we divulged too much there, but it was very rough and probably more than most people would do the first time they're meeting somebody. Probably more than most people would do, like, ever. Probably. Probably, yeah. But I think it was pretty obvious to you that I wanted that and I was... Yeah, that I wanted that and I wasn't going to object. And whether that's unhealthy or not is... It was good sex, ladies and gentlemen. We'll just say that. (laughs) You were neurotic as hell, though. Like, you were so... And it's it's weird compared to what you're like now. It's, It's very... It's such a... You really are a different person now. But back then, you were so goddamn neurotic that I called you Woody Allen. Yeah, because... None of this is a particularly flattering story. Oh, this is a fucking horrible story. But it's fucking funny as fuck. Yeah, but I... Well, don't worry. We'll redeem you at the end. We'll talk about why you're great at the end. <laughs> but I think a lot of it was due to the fact that I was very drunk. Oh, yeah. We forgot to add that. You got super fucking plastered before you came to see me. You had like a bottle of wine or some shit because you, yeah. you were like too nervous to come see me. And you were like, I can't do this unless I'm drunk. So... That just made you even more of a train wreck, like a neurotic fucking... Because you were, like, so neurotic. This is why I called you Woody Allen. You were, like, talking about how... Like, you wouldn't stop talking. Yeah. Well, I think... So, being drunk was to manage the anxiety that came from meeting somebody. And then when... At the time, when I got drunk, it doesn't happen anymore, but I, I just don't shut up. I just, like... It's, like, verbal diarrhea. Like, it just keeps kind of going. It's just, like, my train of thought doesn't stop and when I'm nervous that gets heightened to be extra neurotic. And to be fair you basically don't drink anymore. No just because I don't necessarily enjoy it that much and yeah no and when I do it's nothing like that. I think at the time at that point in my life I was using drinking to deal with a lot of my social anxiety. Yeah you very much you didn't have any good coping mechanisms and that was one of I remember like 
we're fast forwarding the story here. We're not going to tell the whole story. Maybe we will at some point. But like, after you had seen me for a few times, I basically said to you, like, look, I can't be with someone who's like, like, I'm not going to see someone even casually, like casual sex. I'm not going to see someone who uses like alcohol to literally self-medicate, like in such an, because you were doing it in an unhealthy way. Oh, like absolutely. you were having alcohol just to go to university because you were like nervous to go to class and shit like that, or like for an exam and stuff like that. Not so much. You had a water bottle that you filled with alcohol, correct or not correct? Correct. That wasn't to go to class. It was to like... You had it on you when you were at university and it was half drunk one time when you came over. You sound like an alcoholic now, like denying. Okay. Anyway, point being, I was drunk. It was messy. I'm not like that anymore. Yeah. And so to, to finish what I was saying, the thought, um, after we'd seen each other, like maybe like four times or something... I said to you, like, I can't see someone who doesn't handle their problems because you were using alcohol and a bunch of other stuff, like porn, mm. a few other things like that to self-medicate rather than facing your fears. And I said to you, like, you can do whatever you want, but I'm not going to have someone, even as a casual, like, friends with benefit, if they don't face their fears. Like, you were doing it to, like, an extremely unhealthy point. And I think the reason that, like, you and I kept seeing each other after that because you like immediately were like, okay, if you tell me like that, I, that this is unhealthy, I'll stop doing it. You just immediately were like, yeah, you're right. I got to stop doing this shit. Yeah. I think it ended up being more along the lines of like, if you want to see me again, you can't like, you can't be drunk the next time you see me. And yeah. 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 I think I remember saying like, I don't want to see someone who's fucking drunk every time they see me. So if you want to keep seeing me, like you can't be fucking drunk. Yeah. And I think because I'm probably still, I'm just some extent like, incredibly eager to be submissive at the time i kind of just did it because i was like okay <laughs> yeah you very much had like oh i want to please him like that kind of mindset whether that's healthy or not you're not like that now and that was one of the things that i helped you work on i was like you can't be this fucking submissive if you're in a relationship like it's fine for something casual for sex but like if we're going to keep seeing each other i have to build your fucking self-esteem up, or i have to help you figure out how to build your self-esteem up let's get back to the story <laughs> so Sex was good. I called you Woody Allen. Mm. You were super neurotic. Mm. You wouldn't stop talking, like, because you were drunk and neurotic. Like, as in, when I say not stop talking, I mean, like, a stream of consciousness, like, a, just a verbal diarrhea for, like, 30 minutes straight mm. yeah, without even pausing. You know, just I don't think that's hyperbolic. Um. I'm not even exaggerating. And then you started going to, like, level two of Woody Allen. You started to narrate your own neuroses. Like, you started being like, oh, my God, I'm being so neurotic. I'm not shutting up. Look at me. I can't even shut up. Oh, my God, look at this sentence. I'm literally not stopping talking. Oh, my God, like, what's wrong with me? Oh, my God, you probably think I'm so, like, such a mess, and you probably think I'm disgusting. And, like, Woody Allen, like. Yeah. It wasn't, again, this isn't flattering. It wasn't good. And at that point in time, my self-esteem and anxiety and whatever else you want to call it probably wasn't at the best point in time and all of that is exaggerated when i drink yeah and it's funny because this is taking a direction that i didn't think we were going to go on but we may as well like talk about this shit like you were like really low self-esteem and you had like daddy issues and like you weren't coping with life at all and we've made this point a million times i'm going to turn this into a, like a its own podcast or maybe an article or something but like you and i have talked about a million times you were like so goddamn vulnerable because you were so submissive and I remember at first I was like, oh, like, 
this could be fun. She's like crazy submissive. She'll do literally anything I say. She has like next to no self-esteem. But after like the second or third time, I was like, okay, like this girl is like really vulnerable and I could like ruin her. Like I could have absolutely done anything and you would have just gone along with it and you would have chased the bottom of the barrel, so to speak. Like I could have made you do like fucked up stuff, like really fucked up stuff. And you would have just done it because you wouldn't have thought that you deserved any better. And obviously I made the choice of like, it's not really much of a choice, but it's like, well, I can't do that. Like, I'm not going to break a fucking human being, right? Like, that's not fun. So I did what I usually do with people. And I was like the opposite. I was like, okay, let's like build you up. And at this point you had started being into self-improvement. Cause I was telling you some of the stuff that I was working on. And you said like, you wanted to lose weight. You ended up dropping out of university cause you hated your, the course that you were doing. You had no interest in it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, you started like working on your relationships with your family, like, like establishing healthy boundaries and stuff like that. And there's like a million other things that you did as well. And you completely threw away the neuroses and stuff like that, by the way, that just like immediately dropped as soon as you pretty much relaxed, I guess. And also like stopped drinking, but probably just the relaxation. Yeah. I think there was a stark difference between the first time I met you when I hadn't had something to drink. I was, I'm just like a lot, quieter (laughs) yeah and and i think it's you were using alcohol absolutely to like hide from yourself the reason you were so neurotic is because like i think i said this to you multiple times as soon as you stop talking you have to be alone with your own thoughts and at that point you really didn't like yourself and you had zero self-esteem and being alone with yourself was probably the most terrifying thing of all which is why you drank and didn't stop talking it was like noise so that you never had to sit down and meditate and say Hmm, I don't like myself. Should I fix that? It was like a distraction. And at some point, I started gaining a lot of respect for you. It was when you started working on your self-improvement. And I guess we can kind of gloss over this, but like uh, probably after the second time we saw each other, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to see her again. And, you know, we kept seeing each other for other reasons. Like you had a bisexual friend and you were like we can probably have a threesome with her and i was like "Uh, yeah okay that is not that's not true you pushed the threesome in a very okay so i was like set that chick (laughs) you send that chick a a message and say that we would like to have a threesome yeah fine i I definitely set that up absolutely yeah you're you're phrasing it as if you're indifferent (laughs) i was like you know you're not fast i was like well yeah if you want to have a threesome maybe we'll do that like i'll see what i'm up to on friday maybe we'll do that if i'm not with the boys or whatever maybe we'll do a little threesome if you want to i think the second time you saw me you said you have to send you took a picture of me blindfolded <laughs> this is true i remember this we took a nude picture and i was like you yo, you, you got to send this to your bisexual friend that or you said I'm you're into you yeah and then i was like or i'm gonna kick you out goodbye and then you were like okay i mean there was a little now you're more. making me look like the asshole <laughs> there was a little bit more pushback that we were like the friend we were pretty open about a lot of stuff so for context this was a friend that you'd already fooled around with we'd already discussed that like she might be up for a threesome and that she was into you and i was like well hurry up and make it happen like send her a nude picture because you wanted to do something but you were like Mm -hmm. you know i don't think it's ever gonna i don't think i'm ever gonna do it so i was like well hurry up and do this and then now you don't have a choice like yeah kind of you did push it very hard so (laughs) don't sound as if you're indifferent i'm so indifferent making me sound like an asshole maybe i to be fair, I was a fucking asshole back then. You were, I would, you, you were still quite nice to me. I was an asshole with a big heart. I was fucking nice to you. I was like ridiculously nice to you. And that's, so to circle back, 
that was the point that I was going to make is the article that I'm going to write or the podcast that we're half that we've like half written the article actually was about like you essentially how can I phrase this like you were in such a vulnerable position and you were so goddamn submissive that you would have done anything I said and I had that power over you so to speak and I said this to you we've talked about this like it's like sheer luck that you just happen to meet someone who's into BDSM and like dominance and all that, but it's also nice. Like there's a world in which you met some fucking asshole who's oh, like, yeah. yeah, he's just going to treat you like shit and he sees your low self-esteem and he's just going to absolutely like break you down. Because to be fair, that's kind of what you wanted. You know, it is definitely what I wanted. And we've said like, this- Like in- you wanted to be broken, I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we've said this a couple of times, but what I did was very dumb. And But yeah, meeting me was- have I finished writing that article? I haven't, have I? It's an article called something like, you know, you're a fucking dumbass if you have sex with a, girl, with a guy on the first date. Something like that. Like, you're a fucking dumbass if you go straight to his house and have sex. Like, that's fucking stupid. This is just, like, just genuinely, that's a stupid thing. I'm grateful that you do it. I really am. More power to you. But, like, for every decent person that you meet, like me or any of my listeners or any wonderful, like, you know... There are a lot of fucking nice guys out there that will have sex with you on the first date. But there's a lot of fucking assholes. And you have no idea which one is which. You don't. I know you think you do. I know you're like, yeah, but I got a feeling about this guy. It's like, yeah, until that feeling is wrong and suddenly you're in with someone who's like not going to listen when you say no and is twice your size and three times your strength. All of a sudden, wow, that feeling, that intuition, that doesn't count for much. Now it does it. No, yeah, it was very dumb. To be fair, I don't think I ever would have said no to anything. You got to push real hard on. I think you even asked, like, what are your hard limits? And I said something a bit outlandish and, like, over the top. Yeah, you were like, I don't want you to murder me or something like that. And yeah. I was like, cool, well, that's a limit for me, too. It was like, I don't want you to stab me with knives or something. There's people into that shit. Like, I know there are people that like knife that was play. Their, like, I'm, I'm very scared of needles. So I was like, not for that. Everything else is like, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, the the point that we're kind of making in a roundabout way is, I've said this a million times, uh, it was my friend that fucking said this to you. He said, like, Imogen just won, <laughs> phrasing it badly, but he said something along the lines of, Imogen won the lottery with you. And now that doesn't mean, I'm not saying I'm a wonderful fucking person, that's not what my friend meant. But what he meant was, it's like a coin toss. Like, if you're going to be that vulnerable, and you're going to be that submissive, and you have no boundaries or self-esteem, and you're not going to say no to anything, you have just won a coin toss if the guy is nice to you. Like, you're lucky. Again, not saying, like, I'm wonderful. Although I'm pretty good. I like myself. But it's more that you lucked out, and you had. there's a very real chance that you could have met someone who was, like, shit to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Sorry. <laughs> saying all that's allowed, I'm realizing how horribly unbecoming this whole story is. Oh, this whole story is awful to you, but I think that that's, like, a good... Because we forget, because you and I are here, we've been together for, like, two years. We forget all this shit until we, like, come out on this podcast and start talking about it. It's like, your self-esteem was zero. And every now and then, like, once every six months, I will go back and look over, like, our old, like, chat logs, like, our text messages and, like, stuff like that. And it's like, holy shit, she had no self-esteem. You were the opposite of what you are right now. Like, right now, you're pretty confident. You're not the most confident person on earth, but, like, you have fucking self-esteem. You know that your art is pretty good. You know that you want to make a lot of money from your art and live off that and do travel the world. And you know that you have needs that you want to meet. You know that there's a certain level of, not behavior, but like respect that you want from me. And I give you that. You have respect that you get from other people. You don't let anyone walk all over you. 
in fact, remember you spent like, it was like two months or three months or so. How long was it where you cut your f- uh, father and your siblings off? Yeah, because they were at a point where they were just... But how long was that? It was three months. Yeah. Where I just didn't really talk to them at all. And I, I like made it obvious. I was like sent them all a message being like, I'm taking some space. Like I need to do my own thing. They all reacted terribly. Yeah, because for like quick context, your, your family, well, that side of the family, not your mum, your mum's lovely. That side of the family were like narcissistic as hell and like very much manipulative and all that sort of stuff. So the point that we're making here is you had to have self-esteem to say to them like, yo, I deserve better than this shit. That was very hard for you. That took you like a couple of months and lots of talking and lots of thinking and all that kind of stuff before you said like, yeah, fuck this. I deserve better. I'm going to cut them off for three months. I'm going to send them a nice message and explain why I'm doing it. But that is the polar opposite of what you were like in this story. And that's only like two, we can give like 500 examples of your self-esteem and stuff you've worked on. You know, some of your art, you're charging like $400 per piece now. Like, that's fucking self-esteem. You're quiet. You look like a very, like, well-measured young woman when I look at you. Like, you think about what you're going to say. There's no neuroses. You're a little bit insecure, but nowhere near what you used to be. Like, not even, your orders of magnitude more confident. I think that's obvious. There's no way in hell you would have been on camera on a YouTube video or come on a podcast and talk like this two years ago. I don't think you liked you. You hated yourself two years ago, for sure. And I think now you like yourself. Yeah, at the time I didn't even like taking photos of myself. Like, you tried to like take a selfie three months and I like freaked out. I did that a lot, actually. I forgot I did that for like, maybe from like 12 through 18. I like used to like hide from cameras. Yeah, that was like a mission. I remember that took me like three months, maybe not that long, but like at least a month to convince you to just like take fucking photos with me. Yeah. And not just like nude photos together, but like like photos outside. Like if we went somewhere, just like take a fucking selfie together. Like you didn't want to do that shit. There's like so many little projects that we've worked on over the last two years where it's like, okay, let's like fix her self-esteem in this respect. Let's get her confident enough to say no to people. Let's... You know, your eating disorders. Like, we didn't even talk about your fucking eating disorder, right? Like, when I met you, how often were you binge eating, which is in, like eating like 6,000 fucking calories in a day of like ice cream and just shit like that, and then making yourself vomit because you, you were bulimic. Like, how often were you doing that? Like, I don't know, per month or something? Uh, it would range depending on like how stressed I was from like once a week to once a month, depending. Yeah, and you would have periods where you would just do this like for days at a time. Yeah, if it was a bad week, it would be, like, a couple of times a day for a week. But There's a fucking chainsaw in the distance. God, that is going to show up on this audio, isn't it? That's going to sound so awful. Mm-hmm. Pause. Yeah, we'll pause in a second. But first, let's finish that thought. So, like, you were binge eating, like, multiple times a week sometimes, and, like, horribly so, mm-hmm. and making yourself vomit, which, bulimia is not a pretty fucking disease or, like, illness, whatever you want to call it, addiction. And... That's just one thing out of, like, 50 things that you've fixed and improved over the last, like, two years. I think this is a good story to tell because, like, you really were in a bad place when I met you. Like, holy fucking Christ. And you've had to put in a shitload of work to fix all of this. Like, a shitload of work. Which is why... I'm Okay, I'm going to make a slight tangent here. Actually, I tell you what, we'll pause because this chainsaw is pissing me off. And then I'll finish that tangent as soon as we walk past this chainsaw. So, okay, so we're past the fucking chainsaw. The tangent that I was going to make, or the point I was going to make, is I had a friend 
who was very much convinced that women could never improve themselves. I, I don't know where he got this from, probably because his mum was horrible, like actually just abusive and evil. And so he was convinced women can't self-improve. Women have no agency. Women will never do anything unless you like make them. And even then, you know, they drag their hair. Like he was just convinced that women can't change. And you, I used to hold up as the poster child and say like, mate, come on, look at how many changes she's made. She has like as big of a transformation story as I do. Like she's changed as many things as I have and overcome as many like, you know, depressive concepts like you used to have like panic attacks and shit like that in public like actual fucking panic attacks where you thought you were dying like you were neurotic as hell you had an eating disorder like all of this kind of stuff you've all overcome or you've overcome all of that or you, you're at least like 90 percent of the way to overcoming all that no one's perfect but like you're you're we can basically say you're over it and i used to hold you up or i still do but i stopped hanging out with this guy probably for like mostly this sort of mentality but yeah he was convinced that like no that doesn't count like i won't go on about that too much but you really were the one that i held up to him and said like there's no excuse for like a woman not getting her shit together because like you can do it and i think most people listening to that are like yeah of course women can fucking improve like duh but why the fuck wouldn't they be able to in the podcast that we did yesterday um the couple that asked us a couple of questions yeah, she was asking, like, how can women get into self-improvement? It's like the same sort of thing that men do, right? Like, you didn't do anything special to improve yourself. You just did what I did, basically, or what all of us do to improve. You just started making small changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should we wrap it up, young lady? I feel like that's a decent story. We made you out to sound like, like a goddamn train wreck, but I guess you kind of were at the start. Like, I don't think anything we said was exaggerated. Like, I don't, for the most part, no, I don't think so. Maybe... <laughs> Bits and pieces that you... Oh, no, not even. I think. I mean, the way that that interaction that evening wrapped up was that you walked me to the train station. As in the night we had sex, the first night we had sex. Yeah, you walked me to the train station, or at least a lot of the way, but I was being <laughs> very neurotic. And at some point, like halfway through, you just said bye. <laughs> because yeah, because you were just like so annoying. You wouldn't stop talking. You were so neurotic. I walked you halfway to the train station and I was like, well, close enough, like... She's almost at the train station. She'll be fine from here. Like, I can't stand her talking. Obviously, you didn't, t- you didn't tell me any of that, and you are very nice. I was very nice about it, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, that was that. I actually forgot. <laughs> right before we started recording, I forgot the extra thing was that on the way home that night, I actually saw a bunch of my friends on the train, and we all ended up going to Macca's at, like, 3 or 4 a.m. that night. So I did manage to find a McDonald's. Yeah, so you were, like, all covered in cum and, like, <laughs> disgusting. This is getting taken off the air now that I'm being crass. You were covered in jizz and sperm and sweaty, and you hung out with your little friends in McDonald's, and you had a nice little time with your little friends. Yeah. It's so patronizing. Yeah, so I guess, like, one question is, why did I keep seeing you? Like, we, we've painted you out to be this, like, horrible fucking mess, right? Mm. Why did I keep seeing you? I think part of the reason is that... Because normally that's like everything we've just said is a deal breaker. And I was thinking that after the second time I saw you and second time we had sex, I was like, yeah, no, I don't think like... Well, after the second time we had sex was the threesome. So that probably can... (laughs) That probably was the main thing that stopped you seeing me initially because there was like... That kind of drew it out a couple more times. 
You mean kept? You just said stopped. You meant kept. Sorry, yeah. And to be honest, you were like ridiculously sweet and ridiculously nice. And I think this is going to sound so fucking cheesy, but like I saw myself in you, like my old self, because you were also like extremely like driven and competitive. It's like you just didn't have a fucking like someone to steer you in the right direction. You knew that you wanted to have a good life. You wanted to be a high achiever. You wanted to change, but like you had no one that could help you with that shit. And there was like, you know, that like daddy part of me that was like, all right, here we go. This girl has daddy issues. And you know, you're the man for the job, son. Like get in there and fix this, fix this project. And then, so I was like, maybe I'll keep seeing her like once. or I was kind of playing it by ear at that point. And yeah, it was really close to that, that you were like, okay, I want to actually start working on my goals. I want to fix my eating disorder, though you resisted that for a little bit, but you were like, I want to lose weight. You wanted to work on your, sh- your, your issues and like work towards goals. And at that point I was like, okay, cool. Like I'll keep seeing her while she's working on this shit and we'll see where it goes. I was very much playing it by ear and you quickly like earned my respect really, really, really quickly after that. And you started working on all your issues and the rest is kind of history. Never look back, baby. Plus, I think it's like a million times easier because I was in open relationships back then. I I still am now, obviously. It's way easier when you're in open relationships to just kind of have this like, I'll play it by ear sort of mentality. Like, I'm not saying you have lower standards, but like I was very much on the fence about you. I was like, okay, she's like a neurotic sweaty mess. Well, you stop sweating after you stop drinking. (laughs) I'm just making you, I'm so unflattering. Yeah, it's not very flattering at all. But yeah, I was like, I'll play it by ear. You know, I had other girls I was seeing at the time. You introduced me to other girls and we, you know, had sex with them together. It's like, I was quite happy to just sit on the fence and say like, yeah, I'll see what happens. Like, that's not something that I would have done. I think the only reason I kept you around at that point, or I kept seeing you, I should say, is, yeah, because you were working on your goals. Like, if you weren't, like, it would have been a deal breaker immediately. I would have been like, yeah, no, goodbye. And then if you weren't also bisexual, it would have been like, yeah, no, goodbye. Like... I think mostly because you worked on your goals and it made me like, I remember there was a time, I don't know if I told you this, but for a little bit, I was like, should I just keep her around as a fucking friend just to see what like, which like I haven't ever had sex with a girl and then made her into a friend. But I was like, maybe I should do that and just see where she goes. Cause I'm interested. She seems really driven and yeah. And now we're best friends and we don't have sex. Cause you literally said no at the start of this podcast to having sex on this walk with me in public. I said no to sex in a very public place where people are definitely going to walk past. So, boys and girls, I just got friend-zoned on the air twice in a row. Thank you for listening. Peace and love to you all. I'm sorry that this was a noisy fucking podcast where we were walking outside with lawnmowers and chainsaws and, like, crunchy ground and dogs and fucking... I promise we won't do this again. (laughs) We'll make the next one, like, sexy and smooth and we'll talk in the fucking room and it will sound like... Heaven, should I eat the microphone on air and see what that sounds like? No.